0: Welcome everybody to the tag. Your it podcast. I am Ray Ray. I am Dave
1: and I'm Joshua.
0: Yes. Nice to have you. So again, we've got a tag fellow. Remember, we've got tag fellows now. So Josh is one of them. Um, He's been on the podcast a bunch of times now. We love him. We love his brain. We love his study. So that's why we brought him on the show. So this is going to be a good one that I've been excited about for a while.
2: I'm glad to have Josh here too. Josh, thank you so much. Well, you're flattering me, but I like, I like
0: hanging out
2: with you guys too. I always learn when I'm around you. So, and that's the same thing with Adam. I always, I really am sharpened and, and I mean that sincerely. So it's really encouraging to me to be able to be sharpened by you guys. So looking forward to yeah. learning today.
1: It goes it goes all all ways with that. I feel yeah. the same way. So yeah, this is called uh, this
0: solo scriptura, not solo scriptura. That's so right. this is our little community and everything. So it's it's awesome um, to just bring in more people again. Brandon and Will are also Brandon Dodd and Will Hoffman. Yes, are well, all also tag fellows, and so again we're bringing in the element of uh, community into this podcast, and it's amazing and to be able. One to of the that. things
2: that I want to make sure that I state that. Josh and Brandon were the really the next step for me when it came to abolitionism. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, I'm still got a long ways to learn and a lot of things that I need to continue to grow in, but I really appreciated their example. And that was a pretty big springboard for me. Again, it went seeing a Jeff Durbin video, talking to Kevin Meyer, mm-hmm. watching the video on the resolution for the abolition of abortion. And then you guys connecting us with, individuals like Wes Scroggins and of course Mike moon and hopefully we'll continue to move forward. That's my goal. Yeah. My prayer. So,
0: and so, yeah, so we have abolitionism. um, We've got the whole issue that we'll end up hitting on tonight anyway is the, um, the eschatological positions. um, Why you have the, uh, the position that you do have, what do you believe about the end times and all that kind of stuff. And that's what we're talking about. Um, That's why we brought Josh on um, to the, be the TAG fellow so we can have some extra um, study time, some extra uh, compassion and passion for um, the study um, of this certain topic. So, you know, we brought them on to talk about, uh, uh, you know, you can say post-mill eschatology and then also, you know, theonomics and all that kind of stuff, because really, they kind of really do work together. Um, but we're going to focus on more of just the eschatology tonight and not get into uh, the, the theonomy part, which we've already Done with you a lot. So, you know, so let's get on to the other side of what you study. And so there was something um that came to your attention that you did want to bring onto the show. We want to make sure this is um whenever we do these kind of tag fellow shows, this is Josh's show. He wanted to bring something on. So what do you got, man?
1: Well, I had a friend send me this video several months ago of this guy named Morg, who I had never heard of but he's got a decent YouTube following, Mm -hmm. and the premise of his video, as we'll see, is that Jesus lied, and obviously he's therefore justifying his unbelief um, by having this argument, and of course the argument that he gave for Jesus lying was one, dealing with a text of Scripture that is very much misunderstood in Mm -hmm. our Mm day-to-day, and so I thought it was important that it be discussed because I think there are, you know, what what the passage he brings up, he he, we're gonna get into it, but he talks about it being the mainstream evangelical view, um, and so his the point is taken that there's a lot of Christians today who, if they hear somebody like MORG or someone else point out this argument that he's gonna make and say here Jesus lied. Many people today have not heard that argument, and they may not know what to do with it. They may not know how to respond. And so it could potentially uh, shake a believer's faith if Mm -hmm. they'd never dealt with this. And so really, when I see a guy like this saying this kind of thing that's getting a lot of traction online, I'm feeling and I'm concerned, especially as a pastor, for all the Christians out there who maybe it could cause doubt, confusion, uh, all sorts of upsetting of their faith. We don't we want to root them in their faith, show them the errors here and present a positive view of the text so we can actually deal with it. Yeah. So that's kind of the basics of why I wanted to do this and how how I got how we got to this point here. Yeah. So
2: Love all that because it is exceptionally important to deal again with an individual who's speaking into generally a captive audience. And by that, I mean this because we have such a massive push against the Christian position. It's labeled as evil. Big Eva is evil. Yeah. Anyone who upholds a Christian worldview is evil Mm -hmm. or they're misinformed about who Jesus really was. And so Dealing with this, I believe, is of exceptional value, and I'm grateful for it. And likewise, it does go back to the hermeneutic that you're applying to Scripture, the way that you're exegeting Scripture and how that is going to impact, again, the hope that we have in the Gospel. And I think uh, very clearly your evangelistic thrust. Um, Are we declaring Christ reigns, or are we hoping that people will come to salvation? Yeah,
0: yeah. And so uh, before we get into this tonight— It was today. I was today years old whenever I remembered that. uh, Yes. Apologia has dealt with what we're going to deal with, (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay. Here's the deal is whenever you get into this video, you're going to see a theme mainstream Christianity, mainstream religion. And unfortunately for Morg, he's just and ignorant, apparently, of the fact that, uh, well, for one, he's got to define mainstream, which he never really does. He just puts it out there to boogeyman you. And then um, the thing is, is there a mainstream position for one? Um, Two, is there any other positions that can claim biblical authority? Uh, and this is what we bring to you. And so, yes, I know that Apologia Radio has done it before. Um, Josh didn't really... Uh, know about it, Dave? I have you really not heard more it about or it.
2: Listen to it, yeah. No, so I, d- I, yeah. no clue. Never, heard I, the, never heard of the guy who presents himself yeah. as something sometimes he's a guy, sometimes he's not, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I can tell by the video that also. that was the case. <laughs> he yeah, calls himself
0: so. non-binary. I've seen some other videos and that's why I find it important because, you know, this is also on Facebook. So if you're scrolling, finding a rabbit hole on your Facebook watched kind of stuff like that, this stuff pops up. So, I mean, this can pop up on anybody that has Facebook kids, teenagers, whatever um, they're getting a hold of this stuff. And so, you know, we want to also add our voice in not as uh, copycats or trying to be cool like uh, people that we do love listening to. Uh, but then again, this is a community. Um, not everybody that listens to the tag podcast listens to Apologia radio. So we want to, again, add another voice um, of biblical truth and what, what it speaks what it says and what we should believe because God has spoken it because Jesus has spoken it and then you know that's the outcome so um for our audience um if you do and have already dealt with apologia you know we hope maybe there's something else uh, that edifies you and and informs you of what Josh is bringing to the party but you know we need to stand univocally on this and say Jesus did not lie and here's why
1: Yeah And just one more thing I'd add to that by way of introduction, is, you know, it looks like this guy has, you know, a good reach to a younger audience yeah, online. That's right. And so what he, the arguments he's presenting are not typical arguments you hear when you're doing apologetic work or you're just witnessing to somebody on the street. And so if this view is now going to be more and more propagated and spread, to a younger generation, yeah. and if we're out witnessing on the streets or wherever we are talking with people, in a barbershop or wherever, um, we it's it's going to be more likely that we're going to hear this argument, well, hey, Jesus lied. Don't you know Matthew 24 says this, and it didn't happen? We've got to know and be yeah. prepared to give an answer for that argument. And yeah. so Amen. Um, that's what we want to help prepare at least one person for, whoever yeah or however many would listen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess if you guys are ready, um, I mean, I can, there's some things that I have written down. I know you've got a lot of stuff written down. I know Dave's wanting to deal with it. So we've got a lot of ammunition here that we've already prepared anyway in our own minds, but you think it's time to play the video? I'm ready. All right. So I'm going to play the video and the way that we work this, you already know, just say, hold on a minute and I'll just you know i'll control it or whatever so here we go here's a morgue on a, this one verse proves jesus lied the end times
3: according to the mainstream religion lying is a sin but i bet you didn't know that the bible shows that jesus is a liar and it wasn't just a little white lie either it's about as big of a lie as you can possibly imagine because it's about the end of the world in a situation that's actually similar to what we're experiencing right now i'm going to show you the one verse that shows that Jesus is a liar and what it has to do with the end of the world.
0: All right.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna <laughs> say stop right for you to there. Yeah. Um just right off the bat, one of the things we're seeing is he's already he's already got mixed standards of truth. Yeah. Um he's he's appealing, you know. Maybe you can talk here in a minute about what you were saying about mainstream the Christianity view, but he's talking about that, and then he says as Dave pointed out, as we we're talking for the show, he says it's not just a white lie, but it's whatever he said a big, big lie. Yeah. <laughs> Again, by what standard are you defining lies? The hierarchy, of the hierarchy of lies. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just already off the bat, yeah. he's mixed up.
0: Yeah. So you know, first you're, you're seeing he said according to mainstream religion. Mainstream okay, that's religion. That's
1: pretty okay. broad
0: brush, but yeah. according to apparently. The Buddhists, they think Jesus uh, believe, said this too. I didn't think Buddhists actually believe the Bible. Oh, I see, that's the thing is, is like, so he's already just using words, letting them fly out there. And if you don't catch them, you're going to just grab these and just boogeyman them. Mainstream religion. So, again, to add, by what standard? So he's already, again, got that false standard where, you know, are they the standard is what they said the standard or is the Bible, the standard. And so what he's already done here is he said that, well, I can prove that they, that, that the Bible lies by their stand. So you have all these like, well, Jesus
2: did a pretty good job. I mean, only one lie in the whole Bible. I mean, that's pretty darn good. I mean, whatever, I guess uh, my problem would be like, what's the definition of a lie? Like maybe Jesus was just fooling us like, because he wanted to be fun. Well, yeah. Well, he's a high- Tooling uh, a joke. Yeah. And I so, mean,
0: Yeah, the thing about Morg is he's what you call in a hyperion, which is, you know, basically enlightenment mathematics. Mm-hmm. And so math math is the root of all things. You're like this uh, curve of existence. And and so I we, you, can, you can check out his YouTube channel to find more of who he is, but he wants to be absolutely rational.
2: My and, issue would be yeah. completely with the reality, okay, what would be- the problem if they just recorded it wrong. Yeah. If you are a presupposing that they had to have recorded it right by what standard again, are you actually saying some verses recorded correctly and some were not? And then again, what's wrong with being a liar? Maybe Moses got it wrong on, you know, yeah. What what is uh what is wrong with that? There's, yeah. a, I mean, a rabbit hole of incredible... Uh, black hole, I should say, of incredible arbitrariness that you begin with right out of the bat. Oh, yeah, and we'll get to and that so, at the very end of yeah. the video. Sorry to, the answer to, sorry that. to no, yeah. uh, oh, no, you're good. Nobody didn't take us too far off. Huh? <laughs> Jesus good. didn't get it too, too bad. I mean, only one lie. <laughs> Theme music. It's great. If you're and new spooky. here, my name
3: is Morgan. We are dedicated to creating a new world of freedom and reason. And if that's a world that you want, then join our mission by subscribing right now and hit the bell so that you know when something new comes out. Before I can show you how Jesus clearly lied in the verse that shows it, you have to know a little bit about the end of the world, or what mainstream religion calls the end times, or the Great Tribulation. Stop right here real
1: quick. So, so already, what he's doing before he presents his argument or this one verse, he's already preparing people by pumping in his a uh, conclusion yeah. that Jesus is talking about the end of the world, is the end of the world. Is he? Yeah. Show us. He's already, I, I, I forget what the, the, the tactical term. Poisoning, that the well. That is. Poisoning yeah.
3: well. There you go. That's what he's doing.
0: Yeah. I think uh, you got some new cards for that too. I did. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs>
2: uh, they're great for my class, but yeah. <laughs>
3: According to mainstream Christianity. this
0: Okay. There's the there's switch. OK, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we're going to hit this a lot. But anyway, so now you switched from, OK, now mainstream religion says this, but then, OK, mainstream Christianity. Again, you got to be like, Morgan, if you're trying to be rational, Buddhist can't say any of this. All right. About the end times and Jesus saying something and lying. OK, so again, we're already irrational from the very beginning.
1: I think he's granting here. uh not on purpose, the supposition that Christianity is true religion. You know, he's accidentally doing that. He's
2: granting at least that there's a uniformity in belief among these things. Now, that's the other issue here is when we offer clear terms, we're reducing vagueness, we're reducing arbitrariness, we're giving a clear picture. For more, the problem is... He doesn't demonstrate in this entire video any clear picture of broader Christianity or the fact that there actually are different understandings of eschatology. And so, again, demonstrating he doesn't have the ability and has not done the actual theological homework in order to deal with this in a very serious way because he doesn't want to deal with it in a very serious way. He's actually just looking for uh, low hanging fruit.
0: Yeah, it's like what he's trying to do is blend a uh, relative spectrum. So if if he's going to utilize man as a standard, then you're going to have a spectrum on anything, right? But then he's trying to say that's a problem because you know, and then he's trying to get to the objective, which the text exact says something, and it means something, and so there's an objective truth here. So which one is it? He's it's waffle, and you can't make sense of his argument because he's over here going, well, this is what objectively was said. But then mainstream Christianity, well, like again, he's not even treating it as a spectrum, which he only—that's all he has. If freedom and reason, freedom and reason, you make man the uh, reference point of all things. So again, like his argument is like running parallel and is never intersecting. Sorry about that. My uh, we talked too much, and my iPad, you know, went black. Here, here we go.
3: (laughs) Be a cataclysmic event when wars will break out everywhere, the Antichrist will come to power, and demons will roam the earth attacking people. Yeah, really. Eventually, Jesus will return, and this is known as the second coming, and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth and have the devil chained up for a thousand years. Then he'll be released again. Anyway, before all that happens, before...
1: So again, he's describing these cataclysmic events, which we do see pretty much what what he said there in the scriptures, though he's placing it in the wrong situation, but he's clearly already showing that his presupposition against the truth of scripture by saying, yeah, really, you know, those type of comments. And so it's an ad
0: hominem. So so he's just making fun of them, but he's, he's pretty accurate of an understanding of what, um, he needs to call it by the term dispensationalism.
1: Yeah. Does
0: he even know that there's a term? Did they even teach him or did they just like pump this into him and he never asked questions? He read left behind. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so he's automatically mocking something in Scripture, even though he's got a wrong understanding of it, whereas we as Christians should come to the Scripture and say, whatever the conclusions are of the text, I'm happy to accept that. I'm happy to submit and obey that, even if it sounds crazy, even if it sounds supernatural. It doesn't make sense to his sort of worldview. So anyway.
3: The world is thrown into chaos. Everyone who believes in Jesus will... Disappear again, yes, really. They all just literally vanish instantly and they're transported to heaven. I'm not making this up. This mass disappearance occurs so that believers will be safe before the terrors of the end times happen. And this is known as the rapture. Now, by the way, I want to mention I was born into a strict Christian household and I was a Christian for many years. And the idea of the rapture was absolutely terrifying. Whenever
0: my okay, but here's the deal again, he's going, This is my personal experience. And so now I'm over on this other side and giving no alternative. Like I didn't study the text. I just went, you're crazy. This is what you believe. This is what you pumped into me. And I don't believe it anymore. And the thing is like, he can be a Christian. He can be believing, but there was no root and he left. And then he actually becomes antichrist because then again, the same position that spouts the stuff that he's going against, which again is a good point. He's making a good point. (laughs) <laughs> really, so you know, out of even something as evil as this is what he's spouting. You know, God still can take this and make somebody question, which is like well, that's why we're here. But they need to go back to the text. Did Jesus really say that? Is this really the position? But he didn't do that. He he didn't study. He didn't care because really he did not like God to begin with, and he was only acting the part because yes, he was born into a family.
1: And obviously, just to. Not to beat a dead horse, but what yeah. he's describing here is the modern dispensational position, which he is broad brushing as the mainstream Christian view. Whereas it is when you look at, and, and maybe right now in this moment or in, in the 80s too, and 90s, it was the West. But if you take a step back and look at the history of Christianity, it is a minority. Especially
0: when you look at the creeds, they never go into that detail. They just say, what Christ is coming back. They don't go into detail when they don't go into detail on the, all the particulars and you know, orthodoxy always agrees Christ will come back. There is a kingdom. There is eternity. There is eternal life. There is eternal damnation. We agree on those things, but the confessions
2: never make any particular announcements.
0: On and, on this.
2: And what I would say is what you see here is a very common problem. And that is no view of church history beyond what you see right in front of you. This is why church history is so important. This is why the dispensational position is actually very crazy because it's brand new. And someone might get mad at me for yeah. saying that, but I, I will say it's brand new. It showed up on the scene a hundred years ago and now because of some folks at Dallas Theological Seminary who could write a really great science fiction book, there's a whole bunch of people who have adopted this position or think it's the only position that people have ever believed. I was blessed not to have had that. And so, uh, but not everyone else was. And so this is why church history is so important And why actually having a little bit of doctrinal depth and actually even teaching through positions in secondary tertiary matters that you disagree with are important. Because Mm -hmm. guess what? You might not have the exact same eschatological position as some people in your church. They're still in your church. You're not going to have the same eschatological position between everybody who you agree with on primary doctrines. That's a reality. But Mm -hmm. this guy thinks I must reject this crazy position, therefore I can't be a Christian. That's what it leads to.
1: Yeah. And and to his point, if Jesus is a liar, though, then it does undermine everything.
2: That's right. And so he's correct. And And so I,
1: I you really, in one sense, you want to sympathize with the guy. I'm glad for a rejection of dispensationalism, but it has to be replaced with the truth with Mm -hmm. historic Christianity.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, so now he's going to go into just like, and I think, uh, really, when it comes down to it, uh, apology did a really good. Bit on it anyway, but it's just the fact that he's going to say it scares people, it harms kids, and all that kind of stuff. And if you go to that, um, you know, we won't do it here. But if you go to Apology Radio's uh, version of it, um, they do point out in other videos where he says that morality doesn't exist, other than if we create it, and then it's arbitrary, you know. But he doesn't deal with it like that. So he's now he's going to borrow from the Christian worldview where this is harmful, and I would say yes, it is harmful to teach lies to your kids, especially when it comes to scripture, not saying what you think it says. And I, you know, I'm totally against the dispensational position. Um, I think it is a big farce, you know, and I think you can prove it just by the fact of the, the, just just looking for the antichrist. I think that's the dismantlement of the whole thing because that's where everybody fears is the antichrist. You dismantle that, which is easy to do from John the first, uh, you know, you got first John, second John and revelation written by the same person right um and really that to me dispro- disproves the whole system anyway um but you know must digress from that but anyway he's going to go into um just how it harms people and it harmed him but then he's not going to say what he bases harm on and why it's even bad
3: parents would leave to go shopping or whatever i'd run to the tv and turn on the news to make sure that the rapture didn't happen that i wasn't left behind i can't emphasize enough how ideas like hell and the rapture are traumatizing for children. These ideas can result in what's known as RTS, or religious trauma syndrome. Dr. Marlene Winnell, PhD, writes, religious trauma syndrome is the condition experienced by people who are struggling with leaving an authoritarian dogmatic
2: religion. I gotta yeah. with- She's an authority. She's making an authoritative authoritarian yeah. Claim. Sorry. I apologize. I watched it. I was like, what's wrong with that? You're, you're making an <laughs> arbitrary, you're making an authoritarian tra- claim as it is. And a dogmatic one on top of that. It's yeah. dogmatically wrong to do this to people. Yeah, you're going- I'm the authority on psychology. I'm telling you that. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, you know, from authority to authority and a lot of people, you know, when you, you really don't think about it, but this is another thing. I'm, I don't know if I've said on the show, I've wanted to have a show kind of talking about it, but you know, they say the biggest trick the devil ever pulled was uh, to convince the world that he didn't exist. And it's like, no, 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 no. They know he exists. And the biggest trick that man ever pulled is that they don't have an authority. Whenever Eve submitted to Satan, he she submitted it to his authority. You cannot escape authority and so the biggest trick that man ever pulled was that he's autonomous Mm. it's so that's the what it is so now if we can have a show about that we can do it i I don't know if i've said it before but now i have so
1: one thing real quick i'm glad you guys stopped it there this i don't want to go too far afield but with this now this official diagnosis religious trauma syndrome which really likely means you were just you got your feelings hurt or you got afraid or something, but now that they have made it into a doc, a, a doctoral diagnosis, this, and I'm not saying morgue is a part of trying to do this, but those who are doing so, they're laying the foundation for now legal prosecution against mm-hmm. Christianity, raising your children with Christian beliefs. And yep.
3: anyway, it's yep. a little side note for you the yep. damage of indoctrination. Religious trauma syndrome can be compared to a combination of PTSD and complex PTSD. Now that's something.
0: Well, I'm glad that you're hijacking uh, veterans that have really (laughs) seen bloodshed and dismemberment uh, gone, going through minefields and IEDs. Glad you're hijacking their disorder with just something that is taught. Now I'm going to say if you were a child and it was beat, if, dispensationalism was beat to, into you with a belt. Okay. MORGs never said that. He just said he was taught it. Now, if you, I will digress and repent, if he can say that, well, it was beat into me, like literally. Okay. But I'm sure this was just teaching. I'm sure it was puppet shows. I'm sure it was the left behind books. Um, and if you want to go or back even to the seventies, that bluegrass, into the, into the song, 70s, that bluegrass yeah. song,
2: it's a day after the rapture. Yeah.
0: Cause I can, the thing is I can level with him. I grew up into this. So I had to come out of this too, but what's the difference? The difference is, is that I'm not going to leave this until I know versus, eh, I just believed it because my parents told me and now I don't believe it anymore. So where was his uh, faith rooted? He was never really a Christian.
1: Yeah. And I would just, I would say anecdotally to that too, I also grew up in that typical environment it was a great, it was a great Christian upbringing, but you know, I grew up reading the left behind books and i spent years of my childhood afraid that i was going to die and go to hell i was af- yeah. i was absolutely afraid of it and eventually in my life i found relief and rest from that not by rejecting everything altogether just because of a few bad doctrines i was taught but by finding it in christ and in the truth of the gospel and so you don't yeah. the options are not
0: yeah
3: reject everything and leave you know, it's find the truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I know all too well. And I experienced this firsthand. I did a video all about that. If you want to know more, but the verse that shows that Jesus is a liar has to do with the end of the world, the end times now
0: does it. And so here's where it comes down to it. Now, this is where you can exegetically shine if you want, but does it talk about the end of the world, Josh,
1: not the end of the world as he is intending it. Um, why don't you let it play till it pops up verse, yeah. and then we'll get right into that verse. Many people today
3: things. think that we're living near the end times right now. But I want to make it clear that people are always thinking that it's the end times. Do you guys remember Y2K? for those that don't know there was a programming bug that people believed was going to occur in the year 2000 now this is because many computer programs represented four digit years as only two digits meaning that the year 2000 would be indistinguishable from 1900 it was warned that this could potentially cause computer systems to fail all around the world and it was a huge scare, and everyone thought that major computer crashes would occur, and it would kickstart the end of the world, the end times. I remember my parents stocking up on a ton of canned food and barrels of water just in case of the end times. But it turned out that most companies updated their computer systems, and so not much happened. It's the, the point end, is why are they many up? people yeah. are always thinking that the end times are about to occur. But the reason that you need to know all this is because I want to
0: <laughs> if it's the end, yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Yeah.
2: I just want to state. Yeah. There were actually a lot of Christians who did jump into that, but yeah. there was actually multiple Christians who didn't. One yeah. of our good friends of the program, Don Vino, has an article published in 1999 saying that's an overhyped, in fact, it is Y2K, Genuine Crisis or Overhyped Circus. Yeah. In the spring of 1999, mm-hmm. in the Midwest Christian Outreach Journal, he actually deals with the whole thing saying, no, the sky is not falling. And he mm. wasn't the only one who did that. Now, yeah. there were some who did, and they had to yeah. repent, but God bless them. But I did want to note, our good friend Don Vino was ahead of the time in 99 saying, no That's way, awesome. this is crazy. That's awesome.
3: <laughs> show you the verse that shows that Jesus lied. Here it so is. Jesus is out talking with his disciples, and they ask him about the end of the world. In Matthew 24, 3, they ask Jesus, and what shall be the sign of thy coming okay. and the end of the world? So Jesus begins to describe okay. to them he's all. of
1: yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's already setting up the scene incorrectly. He says Jesus is just out talking with his disciples and they ask him about the end of the world. That is not the setting of what's going on. What happens in 23? Chapter 23 lays the foundation for chapter 24. And when you look at chapter 23, Jesus is pronouncing the woes upon the scribes and the Pharisees. And if you read through chapter 23, it is scourging fire. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. he you know they are he, he calls them out for all of their heresy, all of their hypocrisy and apostasy, and how they are upholding their traditions, how they're treating people unjustly. And he's pronouncing judgments upon them. He calls yeah. them blind guides. He says they, they shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, mm-hmm. um, whitewashed tombs hypocrites, they clean the outside of the cu- uh, cup and plate, but the inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, woe to you, over and over again. And he says, then there at the end of of, of his uh, woes in chapter 23, he then puts upon them, he says, therefore, I, he's, he calls them, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? This is Matthew twenty-three, now verse thirty-four. Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of you, some of whom you will kill and crucify, some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of the righteous Abel, which is way back in the beginning of mm-hmm. Genesis, to the blood of Zachariah the and of Barakai, whom you murdered between the sanctuary. And the altar, which is the end of the Old Testament narrative. Mm-hmm. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this, this generation.
0: generation. Which will take care of another issue. Right. right. Yeah.
1: And so then chapter 23 ends with Jesus, you know, lamenting, Oh Jerusalem, O oh, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. And then so that's the context. And then you have the narrative uh, uh the, the narrative in Matthew twenty-four, verse one. Continuing this context, and it tells us Jesus then, because he was in the temple speaking with the scribes and the Pharisees. Then it says in Matthew twenty four one, Jesus left the temple, and was and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. Yeah. So they're not so they just out just talking, around. thinking about heaven or the end of the world. Yeah. There's a context. No here.
0: arbitrary, just discussion here, huh? There's a reason why they asked the question, huh?
1: Yes. Yeah. They had just witnessed this earful um and they're like whoa this this is this is serious and they say so when then when then um let's see how they say it so so verse one of Matthew twenty four narrates it it's when the disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple and Jesus then he says you see all these do you not truly I say to you there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So this is the setting until you get into what the verse he brings up. Yeah. Matthew 24, verse 3. And you'll notice in the video when he quotes the one verse, he doesn't even quote the whole verse. Yeah. Okay. Quote. He quotes the last portion of it from the King James Version. Mm-hmm. But here's here's the whole verse in the English. I have the English Standard Version here before me. As, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? Okay, what things? The things yeah. they've just discussed. Mm-hmm. The 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 stones being thrown down and destroyed at the temple where not one's left on another. The woes that he's just described, the judgments upon the Pharisees and scribes. When are these things going to be? That's their question. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? age. Now, why does the ESV and other translations have age and the King James is from he, that he quoted from has world? The Greek word is aeon or, mm-hmm. eon, or however you would say yeah. that, which is not typically how we would translate world from. Usually the Greek word is cosmos from which we yeah. translate the physical,
0: the, the physical right. elemental, or I guess like the, the real w- universe that God created. Right. That is cosmos. That's what's in John three sixteen. The cosmos. He loved the cosmos. Mm-hmm. But so, what's different about this aeon then?
1: The aeon. I think it's a very good translation, as the ESV and other translations, New American Standard, have the word age. It's signifying an era, an age, a in, in a a time. So, uh, an, an era of time. Yeah. And really, I would also say though even if you were to take the King James at face value and just say, okay, the end of the world. Really, theologically, it's not necessarily incorrect because one of the things that modern Christians don't fully understand the weight and significance of of is the apostasy of the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. They were the old covenant people of God they had the law, they had the prophets, they had the promises, all of these things, and they ne- then have the Messiah sent to them, and they reject him. They they reject him, by and large, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the, the Jewish elites, of course, there was a remnant of Jewish people who believed, but as it says in John 1, Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. They had all these things to prepare them for the Messiah, the Messiah finally comes, And what do they say in John 19 or 20, when Jesus is on trial, the people in the crowd shout out, crucify him, crucify him, and let his blood be upon we and our children. Yes. That should make your hair tingle Mm -hmm. on the back of your neck, what they just said. They are asking for the righteous blood Mm -hmm. to be upon them. And, and it was. So so the point I'm trying to make here yeah. is this is a very big deal that is left out of our modern theology. So when God what we're gonna see in Matthew 24, God is judging Israel, the Jewish people, for what they asked for, that the blood of the Son of God would be on them, yeah. and their children. And the irony is a very of this, big deal.
0: Yeah, and the irony is, is uh as a Hyperion, he wants to um, create a new world. Right. So ironically, he's using the term world in the same sense. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. he doesn't get that fact, so if Morgan doesn't get that fact here, that this is not talking about the physical existence of the world, that it is not going to go to pots, like entropy, whatever, you know, um, I guess the opposite of it would be the big, big bang all over again um, in this sense anyway. But like he utilizes the same thing. he wants, this world to pass away and he wants his Hyperion world to come up into prominence. And so this is the same way we do the same thing. If you want to have a good book that discusses it, you've heard it said uh, by Gary DeMar, 15 biblical misconceptions that render Christians powerless. Um, He comes out of the gate and talks about the semantic domain of the word world. So we're talking about the English translation, but we got to get back to the Greek and the text and what it, that means and so you know we use the term world all the time not you know it's the end of my world today it's not the end of your world it's just like your life is in shambles that day. argumentation wise yeah.
2: here's one of the yeah. things that i want to make sure it's clear and josh you've laid this out so yeah, well when we hear arguments about scripture given to us by a questionable source or even a trusted source we need to make sure that the context has been clearly placed. He has lied in order to make his argument work Mm -hmm. in order to make Jesus lie. He had to lie about the text. Yeah. Now I don't know that he actually sees that because I don't think that he actually has done hardly any under, uh, I would venture to say, I don't want to make an over generalization. Yeah. I don't think he's taken a course. Or read anything on hermeneutics in any meaningful sense. And because of that, he's able to get away with this. Again, low-hanging fruit. So the piece would be for any teacher who's listening, any um, Sunday school teacher, anyone who's involved in discipleship training, be sure that you're demonstrating. Look at the context Mm -hmm. An objective statement was made about scripture and one reference completely gutted from context. And unless you go to the scripture itself and look at it, you'd miss it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's continue.
3: The terrible things that are going to happen. He talks about wars and bloodshed, earthquakes, disease, deceit, famines. He talks about how the rapture will occur and people will vanish. He talks about the sun. Uh,
1: That is
0: questionable,
3: right?
1: Yeah, he lists off all the several things that are indeed in here disease, famine, earthquakes, mm-hmm. wars, and then he just sneaks in the rapture. Uh, where? And he, he'll never show yeah. you. In the, in the yeah, again, video. that's
0: what mainstream Christianity has right. told me. And then hasn't proven that's the mainstream. We can observe and say that, but then again, is it true? But yeah, he sneaks that little rapture in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Jesus <laughs> again, that's what you got to prove. Did Jesus say that?
3: Darkening the moon, no longer giving light and the stars falling mm-hmm. from heaven and how he's going to return in the clouds. Matthew 24, 29 through 30 says... After the time of suffering, the sun will darken, the moon won't produce light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly powers will be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So we we want to uh, talk
1: about those verses there?
0: Yeah, we could. Yeah, Yeah. we totally could. Go for it. So
1: one thing that um, really, it would be helpful to talk about generation first, even though he hasn't got there, because it kind of...
0: Sums yeah. the point. I'm trying to think of how many times I've highlighted this generation in the Book of so, Matthew.
1: <laughs> maybe we go ahead and spill the beans if people go for don't it. realize already. <laughs> go for he's it. going. He's going to show. So we saw, as I read in Matthew twenty-three, at the end of Jesus's okay. woes, he says, "Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this Which generation. generation." Which one? The one he's speaking to. Yeah, I mean, the it's very crooked simple.
0: generation. You unbelieving right. perverse generation. Um Pharisees, then Sadducees, an evil adulterous generation, demands a sign. Mm. <laughs> uh, every time I see green in my Bible. <laughs> Here. But go ahead.
1: So so Jesus says that at the end of chapter 23. Then we have chapter 24 where he starts giving, he answers the disciples' questions. What are the signs of these things when these things are coming um, in the end of the age? And he starts giving those off. And then when he is let's see, verse 20 or verse 34 of Matthew 24, after Jesus lifts, li- lists off all the signs that will accompany these things this time, he then says the same thing he said, very similar thing in chapter 23. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And so what Morg is going to say here, as we'll see later on, He's going to say, well, Jesus said he was going to come on the clouds. He said, you know, there's going to be this, you know, the sun dark and the stars falling, all these things. And it was going to happen on that generation. And then he's more going to say, and then none of that happened. He didn't come. And it's been 2,000 years late. And so we would say, I we see the argumentation he's making. It is a major era of dispensationalism. Mm-hmm. So again, we are totally
0: with you against dispensationalism, but does Morg know that that's just one of a few positions to discuss using scripture?
1: Right. And so we would say when Jesus said that all these things will take place on that generation, that generation won't pass away until all these things happen. We would say yes and amen. And they all happened. Mm -hmm. They all did. And we have to understand then um, that the text itself is giving us the time parameters for what's for what is laid out here. So that has to be the controlling thing of when we see it. When the text tells us the time frame, we have to say, "Okay, we believe it. God's word is true. We believe Jesus was not a false prophet. What he said was absolutely true." And even if we don't understand how all these things happened, because we're quite a few years removed. Mm-hmm. We still have to say, but I believe the scripture and what Jesus said is true. And now we can go through some of these things, particularly those verses he brought up. I'd like to, to yeah. look at. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, he's talking about the uh, sun and the moon and the stars yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, what do you take that as, you know, what coming from a position, I guess you and me kind of share um, from the very beginning is, you know, we see that. Okay. So the sun, like I'm looking for the sun to finally just never shine again in the moon to literally like, I don't know how it would look, but it's got to turn to blood. Does that mean like some lunar eclipse or does that mean like literally blood all over it? Like, uh, you know, what does that mean? But that's the way that it seems that it has to happen to morgue for it to be true. And it had to happen that way. Right. Right. I mean, he's getting the generation part. Great. Yeah. You know, great. Like, Okay. Let's keep going.
1: Yep. So it's important because he's obviously, Taking this to be the sun in the outer space literally, you know, darkens. The stars literally fall on the earth. Yeah. That's what he is saying. However, again, you mentioned he doesn't he's he doesn't have a good hermeneutic. Mm-hmm. That is what we have to have to understand this because what is Jesus doing here? He is prophesying something. He is giving a prophecy of judgment. And Jesus is our prophet, priest, and king. And so Jesus, right now in Matthew twenty four, is stepping. I don't want to say it that way. Jesus is um, um, being the prophet right here, and he is making the final great. So, so what Jesus says and lays out here, it sounds like you're reading Isaiah or Jeremiah or or one of the prophets. That is the language that Jesus uses. Mm-hmm. He's using the language of the prophets. Mm-hmm. And what is the language of the prophets? It is highly symbolic. They use imagery to describe real things, real literal things that happen. They describe it using imagery of sun darkening, all these things. Well, Joseph
0: saw a vision, didn't he? Where you yes, had the yes, two, you had the two wheats you had all, they're all wheat, but then you have like them bowing to him, but it's not Joseph and his brothers. Right. But it is right. So you have symbology. That's prophesying something, and in Joseph's case, it was he was going to end up being above them, and they were going to be bowing down to him. And what ended up happening?
2: Exactly. They came to him
0: for wheat and
2: bowed down to <laughs> they, him. There <laughs> you go. So, I mean, it's, yeah. It's so simple. We have to look at.
0: So is it being arbitrary? Are we being arbitrary whenever we do this?
1: That's that's the next one I was going to say yeah. is the 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 proper hermeneutic for scripture that we need is. We need to use Scripture to understand Scripture, because what Morg is doing, what many dispensationalists do, is when they read, you know, immediately after tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, they're inserting, or all these other things, they're inserting uh, their own definitions into those things. Yes. Whereas when we are looking at these things, the first thing we want to do is think about, okay, is there anywhere else in the Bible that has the same language, and mm-hmm. does that shed light on how I understand what's being said here. Lo and behold, the Bible has this language yeah. uh, all over it. And I can go there unless you guys
0: want to get to point. Yeah, talk yeah. about the sun, the moon, the yes. stars.
1: Okay, so the first place we see it is in Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to flip there. Mm-hmm. In Genesis chapter 1, the creation account here, verse 14 or so, and God said, "Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night." And here it is. And let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days and years, and so on and so forth. Now we always read that, and we just think, "Oh, <laughs> just day and night, natural seasons." We're not. But but the Bible is letting. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. The Bible is also laying, It's telling us these lights in the sky are are for signs. And what are signs? There are things that point to something else. And so the Bible we're going to find after this, particularly in the prophets, uses the lights of the sky, sun, moon, stars, as signs, as a way of describing. Let me look at my note here. As a way of describing, um, particularly in biblical prophecy, lights in the sky offer signs that signify nations, cities, states, kings, rulers, yeah. Those sorts of things. And nations, city-states, rulers, they're described many times in the prophets as being um, lights in the sky. Yeah. And so in the prophets, when God is going to judge, like when he prophesied through Isaiah, he's going to judge Babylon. He describes the judgment in terms of stars falling. Mm -hmm. Um, In his prophecy, let's see here, I had to write some of these references down. Um, his prophesying of the fall of Edom in Isaiah 34. Mm-hmm. He uses the same language of stars falling, moon moon going out, light going out, the prophecy of the fall of Samaria in Amos 8, same thing, the prophecy of the fall of Egypt in Ezekiel 32, mm-hmm. same sort of language. You can go look those up and see it's the exact same language, lights going out, sun, moon, stars falling, that sort of thing. And so we have a biblical precedent of understanding this type of prophetic language. And so what's the nation state ruler or whatever that Jesus is describing the, 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 the leaders of Israel. Yeah. So we or, have or the, Jerusalem
0: yeah. and what I like, uh, Gary Demar comes out and like you, he, he says that the sun is the religion. The moon is the government and the leadership is the stars. That's and good, what did he yeah. just pronounce?
1: Yeah. All the woes.
0: That. all <laughs> those are going to come crashing down there. There's sun that gives light and the government reflects the light, like the moon. And then the leadership, the stars, it's all come into a close at the end of the age. age. Yes. Hmm. 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 Just stay for thought. Stuff. Yeah. What, what yeah.
1: age? What age? Yes, yeah, there some
0: ages going on, you know? And so, yeah, that's the next, that's another good next yeah. question. I don't know how far afield we're going off the video, but I, I mean, we can go on well, this. Great. No, this is good. <laughs> yeah.
2: The kid continue, continue. I think it's, it's yeah. great stuff.
1: I can say it quickly, just very quickly. The old covenant age. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the point I was trying to make earlier. I don't think I got around to completing the point yeah. with the end-of-the-world language. It is it is truly, in some sense, an end of an old world, an end of an old-world order of things. The temple system, the sacrificial system, that hierarchy and ways of worshiping and approaching God, that old-world system, that old-world way is being put away. there. And so it's appropriate for this big cosmic language that that age now we don't relate to god in the same way we don't worship god in the same way mm. um and so that would be the quick answer
2: yeah yeah that age. and that was no, that's, know, and that's that's what makes stuff sense regarding that yeah. interpretation why again interpretation is important why you shouldn't if you aren't one who works in the original languages, why you shouldn't just look at one translation. And I don't mm-hmm. say that as a yeah. person who works in the original languages. Language like, I did poorly yeah. in my courses. Yeah. Right. And so I don't say that, you know, as some proud that I did poorly, like I missed my opportunities. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, and and I regret such yeah. a thing. And it's, it's but,
0: the, <clears throat> the wonderful thing is just like the ease, like the, the, the ease that That's I have right. now of reading scripture, because here's the deal. And this is like the greatest thing that my wife sent me on TikTok. Like, I don't have TikTok, but she's like my TikTok lady. So she sends me <laughs> little funny things. And I know. Um, yeah. So we've just, you know, she introduced me to Hamilton. I didn't want to like it. Um, King George is stinking awesome. I love the song. It's so like happy, but like ugly, you know. Uh, but anyway, love Hamilton. And so I, she sent me this TikTok, and this girl had, was like going in the Bible, going like, Paul, why are you writing like you're running out of time? Why are you writing like you're running out of time? And it's like, <laughs> that's awesome. So post mill, you know, why, why was he, why does it seem, why is it, why is there always an urgency in Paul? You know, why do you have a uh, John writing? This is the last hour. Wait, 2000 years is an hour. What? And then you, uh, you get the, well, you know, the day is like a thousand years and th- it's like, but that's not the same context that I'm asking, you know? And so, you know, now now I go wait a second okay so now I get it that's why Paul said act like you're not you're not married because mm-hmm. things were coming crashing down now 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 the embarrassment is away if you can get over the embarrassment of this generation
2: but what's gonna happen yeah. is when you read this text like this it's going to change the way you deal mm-hmm. with the Pauline epistles yeah specifically mm-hmm. those places where you're. Dispensationalist will deal with, you know, I believe First Thessalonians five, if I can remember correctly, was like their big piece. Yeah. Uh, it's going to completely destroy the way that you have read John mm-hmm. and First John and Second John and Third John and Revelation. Yeah. Sorry to yeah. just yeah. destroy poisoning the well, Dave. You're poisoning <laughs> the well. <laughs> uh
1: just yeah. real quick on that. Again, what you're describing with the This this urgency or this theme of imminent judgment on Jerusalem Mm -hmm. and the apostate leaders, as you're getting at, is a way heavier weight and theme on these first century Christians who were coming out of this, many of them who were were Jews and believing in Christ, many of the disciples were coming out of this. This was truly life-altering, world-shattering and shaking, as it describes in Matthew 24, um, then the powers of heaven will be shaken. Yeah. That's exactly the type of language is used in the Hebrew writer um, when he says in Hebrews that um, I'm going to shake again. He's, yeah. he's shaking up the things yeah. that can be shaken. Yeah. And he talks about how the powers in the heavens will be shaken there in Hebrews mm-hmm. so that what cannot be shaken will remain the kingdom of God. Amen. And oh, yeah. that was that era from the ascension of Jesus do the final destruction and putting away of old covenant Israel was the shaking. It was all shaking. That's why there's this tribulation language is all shaking. Yeah. So all that can go away. The old world order of things can go away. And that which cannot be shaken remains the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's amazing. It's amazing. So just to let you know, the world comes crashing down. The Jews loved their temple. Mm -hmm. The Jews loved their temple so much. They kept the Gentiles out of it, (laughs) by the way. And that's the court that Jesus was in that cleansed it because they loved their temple so much. So their world came tra- crashing down. Jesus did say, I leave your house. Again, he mm-hmm. it was his house, so he wasn't breaking any rules yeah. by whipping them out. But then he hands it over to them. Your house is left to you desolate. And their whole system was coming down. And therefore, that's why Hebrews had to be written. Because they were <laughs> being plagued by this stuff. And he had to go, Jesus fulfills Every bit of this—that's why it's coming down. Hebrews, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, chapter one, oh, verses nice. yeah. one
2: through three at yeah. First Baptist Buffalo. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I'm in
1: I'm in the
0: Hebrews mode, but yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, I hate to do this again. <laughs> one more time in the in the verses that he yeah. mentioned because we're going to yeah. move past it. Yeah. He also, and this is a big one. I want to say because it's a big one for Christians when they don't understand if this happened on this generation, um, that they don't see how it can be when when it says that then you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. That is something yeah. that really trips people oh, up. Daniel, um, Let's see, what verse was that? Um, verse 29, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Okay, so this is where, this is really tr- if Jesus, are you saying Jesus came physically Visibly, literally on the clouds in 8070. That's when the destruction symbol was. Yeah. Well, again, same thing with how we understand the sun, moon, and stars language. Mm -hmm. Is there a biblical precedent, particularly in prophecy, that uses this language? And yes, there is. There is. I have at least noted three scriptures that use this exact same language, and it describes God. Riding on the clouds or coming on the clouds, it's Psalm 104 3, Isaiah 19 1, and Nahum 1 3. All of those passages, you can look them up. We can look them here if you want. It's describing him, God, coming on the clouds in judgment. It's all, they're all judgment passages, except for the Psalm 104. Um, but that is a way of saying God is going to come with judgment. Mm-hmm. He's riding on the clouds to you. It's coming quick. You're going to see it. Boom, here it is. And that's the language that Jesus now applies to himself in the Old Testament. Yahweh was riding on the clouds in judgment on mm-hmm. Egypt, as in one of those passages, Isaiah 19, I believe. And here Jesus is now putting himself on the clouds, coming
2: in judgment yeah. again. Yeah. That's another
0: again. It's a coming a up, really, of Daniel, deity. right? It's the coming up well, of Daniel. I would actually take a different okay. view of that. I okay. know where you're going, okay. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and
2: that's
1: I like that's, that. If yeah. you want to bring that up. Yeah, I was trying and then to think. I can uh, uh, give you an alternate view on that.
0: Well, oh, just go ahead with yours, because I want to hear. So yours. yeah, mine. What? Yeah, yours?
1: Adam was about to reference Daniel seven, which is Daniel's night vision, which describes yeah. the son of man, one like the son of man, coming on the clouds up to heaven, and and there, you know, the dispensationalists or others will take that passage and and you say, hey, this is the second coming, Jesus is coming from heaven on the clouds now to earth, but when you read that, it's the opposite. He's mm-hmm. going up on the clouds. He's, he's ascending on the clouds to heaven. Yeah. And so that's his ascension and enthronement. And so I would take that to be describing his ascension uh, when he ascends yeah. to heaven. Here, when he comes on the clouds, it's 40 years after he already ascended to the throne. Yeah. yeah, And so I'm just taking it simply as in line with the Old Testament prophets yeah. Coming in judgment, like y'all yeah. did in the Old Testament. Yeah, and then you, yeah, and you do have, make like, sense the Assyrians.
0: Me, yeah. yeah, I mean the Assyrians. Got, got you know. So there's the big thing is there's one last day. There's many days of the Lord. Yeah, you know that's yep. kind of a, a good general simple thing to say. You know, there's one last day, but there's many days of the Lord. And when He comes, how
1: does He come? On the clouds. On the clouds. Yeah, yeah so. He's he's coming down.
0: So just so you're saying that Jesus was like an Old Testament prophet this whole time?
1: Uh, yes. Yes.
0: Hmm that's yeah. crazy
1: <laughs>
0: the, the final has way too much
1: yeah as yeah. prophesied by moses in deuteronomy
0: oh yeah that's all he's the greater moses let's keep on going for yes. hebrews right so any more you want to go good. okay that's cool good. just no, like, that's yeah, really that's good we, we have gone <laughs> almost an hour but i want to continue <laughs> to go if you guys have time I'm great. So.
2: i don't want to mess, mess with your time you tell us when we're done <laughs> okay. to what he says
3: next Matthew 24, through 34 says, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Did you catch
2: it?
0: Yeah, we did a really good job on that already. So <laughs> this generation. And so, <laughs> yeah, so the big thing, let me tell you, if you read this, OK, this generation is true. All right. So if you're system doesn't believe, believe that this generation, again, that's a theme throughout of all the whole of Matthew, then how does th- how does this narrative here that Jesus gives fit this generation? Why don't you go there? But no, you can't, if you're embarrassed of this generation, you're going to go everywhere. And so that's when I started reading like Hokema on whenever I was like, you know, in the Amel position, I'm like, they're stretching the crap out of this generation thing. I can't, I don't know why I'm Amel now. You know, but again, like, you know, I, I see, you know, everything pessimistically and that's kind of just the hurdle I had to get over was this generation and I had to take it for what it was. Then you get to scripture and scripture, but yeah, you have to, instead of what he's doing is going, well, it's not this generation, I'm out. See you later, Christianity. Instead of that, I had to go, how does it fit that? Like if, if it's that generation, how does it fit? And then you do study that way. If you make this your standard,
1: not this. And again, what's the hermeneutic? Do we have a precedent for how this word generation is used? We do. All throughout Matthew, he uses it in the
3: literal sense. Yeah. He's talking to his disciples, and he says that everything he just described, the end times, the tribulation, the second coming, is going to occur before this generation passes. He tells his disciples that when they see all the disasters he just described, that his second coming is near, and the generation will not pass before it happens. Uh... He's about 2,000 years late. That's pretty bad, but it gets worse because this isn't the first time that he said this. In Matthew 16, 27 through 28, Jesus says, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom.
1: I would I would say that's talking about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he, he says the same thing. This this generation will not taste death. Some of those standing here will not taste death until they see it. And so yeah. I think it's the same thing.
0: Yeah. And again, he comes in judgment. He is, yep. again, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, right? The whole, he must rule and reign till all his enemies. 15. Yeah, F- yeah 15. Um, he, he must rule and reign till all his enemies are at his feet. And the major first enemy apparently was what? The whore Israel. <laughs> 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 the whore that's riding the beast in revelation. And, so.
1: and, and it doesn't have, and, and judgment comings doesn't have to mean the yeah. final.
0: Yeah. Last no, no. Again, so, many days, yeah. of the Lord, many judgments, yeah. one last yeah. day.
3: You can't get more clear than that. Clearly this is a lie. So why is it positive that mainstream Christianity is false? Obviously
2: it is. Okay. Jesus so said, is Jesus
0: false? Some... And here's the other thing is Jesus false or is or mainstream he... Christianity false? That's his other problem.
2: That they're using inconsistent and false. If they apply the similar standard of hermeneutics to their exegesis, yeah, right. And so
0: I really want you guys to watch this whole video because I want you to see here the deal is: is did Jesus lie, or is mainstream Christianity the liar? And he's not going to offer you the option to believe maybe one of them is right. That's the problem. He is. Again, he's a hyperion. He's all about rationalism. He's all about trying to be truthful. And he's out to create this new world of truth and reason. And he can't reason. That's the problem. And again, like we're not sitting here being hateful or anything. We want better for him. He's Mm -hmm. made in the image of God. He is a male. He is rebelling against God. And we want to see him come to the truth. And yes, he has been mired in not truth, but he has not cared to study to tell the truth just so that he can lie to you.
2: Here's the issue as well. And I'm going to kind of take it a slightly different direction. And again, he says his YouTube channel is about freedom and reason. Yeah. Now is someone who teaches logic and tries to teach people to reason? Well, always struggling to make sure that I do that. Right. A logical thing to do would be to actually look at what scholarship said on these things rather than just saying, here's what they said at my church. Mm-hmm. The reality is, even as much as I disagree with their eschatological position, he could actually look at what someone like MacArthur says on these yeah. things. He could actually look at how they're, At least trying to navigate them and then say, you know, commentators who know biblical languages more than me, who know Jewish history more than me. Here's what they say. And here's why I reject their reasoning on that. No, he sets himself up as the authority regarding how God's word has to be understood. That's not reasonable. That's not rational that actually shows that you're enslaved to your own mind as the authority. Yeah. And, and I mean, therefore he comes undercuts out, his entire argument. Yeah.
0: And he comes out in another video talking about how we're all just our own gods. Mm. So that's the problem. He's his own God and he admits it, but you know, he's going to try to skirt around it with whatever mystic kind of mathematics he wants to do. And that's what he's in for is just some occult mysticism and it's blatant. And he admits it. And then he tries to claim it for the enlightenment. But he's, asked, he's actually acting like a postmodern, which is really funny. He's refuting himself on so many levels.
3: The people in front of him are still alive or before the generation has passed. That didn't happen. He didn't. So why do people still believe in mainstream Christianity? It should be case closed right there. Jesus lied. So- See
0: again, okay. Jesus must be false. Mainstream Christianity must be false. One of them cannot be right. And he is not going to give you because this is a non sequitur. Okay, Morg, if you actually get a hold of this, we're not that important. But if you do and you want to have a talk and you want to be reasonable, that's a non sequitur. This is a horrible argument. You are not reasoning correctly. And so we can talk and we would love to have you on the show. We would love to talk to you, whatever, um, if you do get a hold of this. But for somebody claiming rationality, you are not being rational and you are not offering any sort of rationality to your audience. So you're refuting your whole new world order right here.
3: Does mainstream Christianity have to say about this? Well, they generally give a few possibilities. Either Jesus didn't know when the end times would occur, or he was being metaphorical or something along these lines. This is clearly a cop-out. It doesn't matter if Jesus knew or he didn't. He gave a time frame for when it would occur. And that doesn't negate a lie. Not to mention...
0: Good job. You've recognized the truth.
3: In the fact that raises the question of Jesus being supposedly all-knowing. What about if it's metaphorical? So here's the thing. If the Bible is so unclear about what is metaphorical and what isn't, then how are you supposed to know what's true at all? How are you supposed to know which verses are metaphor and which are literal? What about all the verses that are sexist and homophobic? Are those... Met-
0: By what standard, then, are they sexist and homophobic if Jesus lied? What, what, what standard are you saying? Again, you have to provide an objective, absolute, transcendent, invariant, Standard and material as well. So, um, you know, that that's the issue. So what are you going to offer? You're not offering anything here. You're just trying to just blast it without any propping up anything on your own, other than your own assertions at the very end of the video, but in the video, you're not giving anything.
2: Well, I don't know how you could prove that the Bible is homophobic. If you don't believe that the Bible actually occurred, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Were the teachings of Christ homophobic? Were the teaching of the apostles homophobic? Well, if God hasn't spoken, you can't even make that claim because, well, they might have recorded it wrong. You, you yeah. see what I'm oh, going yeah. with that. But
0: yeah, but then again, he blasts like, you know, the liberal, I guess you can say liberal arbitrarism. So, I mean, whenever we get into that debate, whenever it is pick and choose the law, when it is pick and choose this, mm-hmm. you know, that's just being arbitrary. So you're, again, number two, you recognize this generation is what Jesus was speaking about, and two, the metaphorical, like the bad hermeneutic. Yeah, you're looking for a hermeneutic. We just gave you one. So the Bible itself, again, it's the authority, and you can't be the authority over it, or else you're. It's not going to make sense whenever you get to sit as judge over the one that is going to judge
2: you. But another so, thing I'd element is you noted very clearly Jesus was speaking prophetically. Yeah, how did prophets speak? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah and that's not an arbitrary standard as that's you were right, saying yeah. we're using the scripture as our standard to understand itself whereas he that is a legitimate problem that many mainstream christians have is they do apply arbitrary standards to to stuff like this and so i think you know we've just demonstrated a way yeah. to not apply an arbitrary standard and, um, understand it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I can just kind of give my little summary at the end of you guys can give a little summary. Um, I just wrote down, so here's the main meat. And if you guys seriously watch the video and just look for this, you know, if this is me poisoning the well, then I'm poisoning the well, I don't care. (laughs) But again, um, the pros, um, he does have two great points against those who don't, view what Jesus describes as happening within that generation into the liberal arbitrarism. So here's the deal. He doesn't offer any other um, scholarship on the matter. Again, just this mainstream Christianity says this again, that's a broad brush. It's not making a very good claim there. Um, And he sets out to destroy Jesus to then destroy mainstream Christianity to which he never really offers that Jesus could be right. And mainstream Christianity could could be you know, could be right or wrong there. So to him, both must be wrong. Um, there is no alternative. So that's, you know, kind of my summary of the uh of the argumentation of the video. Um
1: go for it, Josh. Yeah. I you know, I if I had a word with him or if he were able to see this video or I don't know, apologia's reputation, I'm sure it was fantastic. I know it was, no, it would have been any other good refutations mm-hmm. where he was shown very uh, consistently, non-arbitrarily, how we understand Jesus did not lie, this was true, then what would he do? I think he's made clear with his presuppositions. He is simply trying to find a way to justify his unbelief and his rebellion against God because he wouldn't say, oh, I guess Jesus did tell the truth. Now I believe and I'll follow him. I pray obviously by the Holy Spirit and preach yes. the gospel. That could happen and we would, We would love and pray for that to happen, but so often with this sort of argumentation, it's simply a way for people to justify their own sin and rebellion, and so ultimately at the end of the day, we don't want to simply have an eschatological argument with an unbeliever. We want to preach the gospel Mm -hmm. and call them to repentance and say, Jesus is Lord. He is true. Everything he said is true. Everything he did, he accomplished, as he said to his father in John 17, all you've given me to do, I have accomplished. We have no other option but to submit to Him, come to Him in faith, yeah. And that's that would be my prayer and call for Him.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stop hiding, he that. yeah. Stop hiding behind other what other yeah. people say and what do you say?
2: I Honestly, can't improve on yeah. what you shared there. Either of your brothers uh, agreed. You know, we don't want to have a argument about eschatology with a non believer we want to preach the gospel and the gospel is that Christ came to save you, even though you hate him so much that you yeah. would call him a liar. Yeah. And the reality is that unless the Holy spirit moves on mort, is that his name? Morg Morg's yeah. life. It yeah. won't happen. So then the responsibility and the reminder for each of us is yes, we can engage in the argument, but we always have to turn around and say, But you don't believe that until the Holy Spirit changes you and calls you and causes you to repent and repeat the gospel again. Christ died to save sinners. The Mm -hmm. creator entered into creation to redeem people who couldn't redeem themselves. Man, everything you're looking for is in Christ.
0: Freedom Mm -hmm. and reason Reason. are only
2: found in Christ. Amen. Amen.
0: So. Thank you so much, Josh, for taking your time, doing your study on this, and uh, sharing yes. your your study, your heart, um, and bringing this uh, to light. Um, and, and we're just we're we're so happy again to have you as one of us that comes on the show and brings in content um, for everybody that uh, again is on the live. Thank you for uh, being with us tonight. Uh, also the people in podcast land and YouTube land whenever you guys listen to this. Thank you. Um, we hope that this has helped you. We hope especially um, from my um, from my testimony in way coming out of what Morgan is talking about, you know I got to see the freedom um, in Christ that Christ did not lie. He has actually provable historically that he is a true prophet because everything he said did come true. And that might be another episode.
1: And that as a way of closing the fact that we can look and say, this is true demonstrably true gives us great comfort as Christians mm-hmm. that all his other promises to us in the gospel that he's promised us eternal life, all things working to our good for those who love him and call to his purpose. All those other promises we have, we can trust Are true. Mm -hmm. He will answer them. And um, we should look to this passage and not be afraid because of some eschatological view, but look at it and think, praise the Lord Jesus is a true prophet. I can Mm -hmm. trust every promise he's made for
2: me. And the sad thing is that the eschatology that has been popularized, the dispensational position, Again, that we saw, I saw growing up, you saw growing up in the Left Behind series, has taken that text and those beautiful prophecies and has removed them. Yep. And that is the importance of dealing with the text in a way that is consistent, because now we have this glorious text, not a fearful text, that we have to do theological and exegetical gymnastics around.
0: Yeah. And so. uh, just to put a, you know, just to put a fine point on it and to be the most controversial I can be at the end oh, of the good. show. Excellent. Are you ready for it? All right. You know what the similarity between a dispensationalist and a uh, utopian Marxist, Do <laughs> you know what the diff- you know what the similarity is. You don't have to prove anything in the present if it's always in the future. Mm. <laughs> All right. I didn't, that's not original to me. I forgot, uh, but I'm going to just say it's not original to me, at least the last part, but you know, I'll put the, I'll put the two and two together. The different, there's no difference in that the eschatology of a dispensationalist and a Marxist that's looking for utopia. Cause you, as far as in methodology, because you never have to prove anything in the present, you can just keep on screaming and screaming and screaming and it never happens. So Yep. Yeah, yikes. So, anyway, with that said, this is the Tag of Your Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Blaze.
1: I'm Joshua. And
0: so, Dale.